You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. It is time. It is time. They can't be Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. We are officially in training camp mode. So exciting. We are uh, hearing from Brian Kudigans to Matt LaFleur. A lot of news flying, and it's times like this when I wish I was doing a daily podcast. Um, usually record these episodes a little bit ahead of time. Um, I chose instead today. I wanted to uh, do it a little bit later because I knew there was going to be some juicy stuff that would come out, and of course there was. But I do get jealous of like... <laughs> Uh, you know, every morning Ryan gets to run through all the news and talk about it. And then, you know, by the time it's time for me to do my podcast, like Clayton's talked about the news, Ryan has talked about the news. Like I got to stay away from the news. However, right now, like I'm, I'm recording this at a time when I can just like break stuff. So I think I will. It's exciting. So David Bonciari underwent a third procedure. Um, Goody talked about, or uh, LaFleur, yeah, LaFleur said that there's going to be a, quote, fluid situation between Sean Ryan and Zach Tom in terms of are they going to play guard or tackle. He said you want them to compete for a position. It's just how much time are you going to devote to cross-training those guys. My guess right now is Zach Tom does end up playing some tackle this year uh probably week one would be my guess I just I don't see Elton Jenkins being ready we don't it it doesn't seem like uh Bakhtiari is any closer right now had that third procedure this offseason maybe some some setback because of that we talked a lot after the draft about how Zach Tom a little bit better fit for the uh left side of the line Sean Ryan a little bit more for the right side. Obviously, you can swap guys around it. You're way overstating things, too. You know, the, like the other day, Brian Balaga was in town for the uh, Manchester City soccer game. And a lot of folks were saying, like, oh, man, we're maybe we're going to sign Brian Balaga. And I saw people pushing back on that immediately and going, well, that's stupid. Brian Balaga is a right tackle. Okay, Brian Balaga has not been a right tackle his entire career. And even if he had been, like, you really think that you couldn't put a guy as smart as Brian Belago over on the left side? Like, actually, that's your <laughs> – you're just overstating it too much. Sammy Watkins is expected to return pretty quickly. Um, we actually had a couple guys reactivated already. 
Let me grab that list. I forgot already. I know like the Khalif Bryce and uh, Caleb Jones were two of the guys who were activated from non-football injury. Who were the other two? Uh, Patrick Taylor was one. Dean Lowry was the fourth guy. Um, so that's exciting. Patrick Taylor, I I really think should be the odds-on favorite to win the running back three job. I'm not a Kylan Hill hater necessarily, even though uh, I have a reputation of being a Kylan Hill hater. I, I just think the amount of playing time that Patrick Taylor was able to get last year, how much further ahead he really looked like he was, um, and then uh, just the fact that he was better than Kylan Hill in every stat and grade in the regular season. Uh, better rushing grade, blocking grade, more rushing yards, more rushing yards per attempt, more touchdowns. I mean, you're talking about one versus zero, but I'm just saying I think that at this point, especially with the fact that Kylan Hill is still rehabbing from his, whatever it was, the MCL tear or meniscus tear, I forget which, um, I, I just think that Kylan Hill really is trying to play catch up to where Patrick Taylor is at right now. And I've been a big Patrick Taylor fan for a long time. Uh, let's see. We did make a couple signings. Ty Clary, the center. Um, and we also signed a new defensive back. Dante Vaughn is his name. He was a safety for the Chargers. The Packers website lists, lists him as a cornerback. He's a 2020 undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame, 24 years old, six foot three, 212 pounds, big guy. Obviously you can see why they put him at, at safety. Uh, problem is he did not play any snaps for the chargers. And then when he was at Notre Dame, he didn't play very much there either. He had, I think, uh, just one season where he got any playing time at all. And, and most of his college career was really, dampened by injuries there um so he was waived last august uh by the chargers did not end up uh spending the 2021 season with any team um we had um Keyshawn nixon the cornerback who i've been rooting for um he got added to the non-football injury list that's disappointing we also waived three guys safety trey sterling guy i've talked about a few times on i guess over on no huddle um, safety out of Oklahoma State. I, I really liked him. I thought that there was a chance that he was a real gem, but uh, unfortunately, he's gone already. We also have cornerback Raleigh Texada, another 2022 undrafted free agent. And then uh, there's the third guy that we waived. I felt bad about because when I saw that we waived him, selfishly, I was happy about it. And I'll tell you why. It's because it's defensive lineman. Hawadi Pututau. And this is the last time I'm ever going to have to say his name ever again. And I feel like an idiot every time I try and pronounce that name. <laughs> so I saw that and there was like a wave of relief of, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to try and pronounce that name anymore. And I know that that is awful and selfish. And I really hope that he ends up having a long and very successful career. Um, but just not one where I have to say his name. So anyways, it has more to do with, um, I like it's, it's sure it's a fun name to say, but I feel like an idiot because I know I'm not saying it right. So, anyways, uh, Elton Jenkins apparently is ahead of schedule per Brian Gutekunst. Um, 15 months ago, 
he said David Bakhtiari was ahead of schedule. So that doesn't make me feel great. Um, oh, and then Matt LaFleur talking about uh, Rich Passaccia being in the room. He was praising uh, the influence that Passaccia has had already, which, by the way, we've already seen that influence on um, roster moves. Uh, who was it? I think uh, it was new safety Dallin Levitt, uh, who we brought over from the Raiders. And um, obviously Keyshawn Nixon we brought over from the Raiders. Uh, and Pat O'Donnell is a punter that um, Bisaccia was trying to get the Raiders to sign, and they wouldn't sign him. So that's three guys that Bisaccia clearly has had Goody bring in. Well, Matt LaFleur said, I've learned more about special teams than I ever have in my life sitting in his meetings. Which, you know, uh, you never got the sense that special teams was something that really mattered to LaFleur in the past. So I guess I, that's good news. Um, but also, look, Bisacci has been coaching special teams since 1983. So you knew that this was going to have a big effect when you're bringing in a guy who knows the job so well you knew that he was going to have a massive impact um on just elevating the understanding and intelligence in in the room um, on this coaching staff um and and i'm excited to see what he can teach the players uh christian watson i don't i think i didn't touch on this yet christian watson we know he got put on the pup list apparently he recently had a procedure he was spotted this morning at the uh, bike ride with a sleeve on his leg. And I don't know what you're supposed to call that because I know a sleeve goes on your arm. But what do you call it when it's literally just a sleeve that's on your leg? It's, here's, here's my question. So you put on a pair of pants, right? So is just one a pant? Think about it. Anyways, uh, one final thing that I want to touch on. Uh, we have a new member of Packernet, uh, Joe. You know what? I should ask him how he pronounces his last name. I've, I've seen it written a thousand times. I'm going to try and say Ojanen, Joe Ojanen. Uh, he's on Twitter, at Joe from St. Cloud. He's, he's been making graphics for a couple of years that I've been um, uh, promoting. He does like... Uh, depth chart guides, um, and this year he put a lot of work into a training camp guide, and it's sick. It's got a full calendar with all the events on it, which is the number one reason I have saved that training camp guide um, on my phone. Love knowing what the upcoming events are. Um, he's got the full roster. He's got the uh, the depth chart is in there. It's It's honestly handy. Um, and he just does great work. And so we reached out to him and said, dude, um, nobody's picked you up yet. Uh, and, uh, we want to have you on the team. We want you to make these, um, guides for us and we'll promote them on our social media. So he agreed to do that. So head over to, um, I think we're going to throw this on the Facebook group as well. Um, but on Twitter, it's our pinned tweet at Packernet. Uh, is the 2022 Packers training camp guide. So make sure you download that. And throughout the course of the uh, preseason here, 
as roster moves come up and stuff, uh, Joe's going to be updating that guide at the same link. So um, that's a fantastic resource. I hope you'll check it out. Make sure you're following him. He's at Joe from St. Cloud, ST Cloud, uh, on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, Joe is a great follow. Um, can't recommend him enough. Uh, got a question from uh, Jacob. He said, I'm listening to Packers Total Access as Clayton dives into the top 50 from PFF. And we hear Corey Lindsley uh, had his name called. It got me thinking, are there any other guys we let go or refuse to sign that went on to have late career production, a.k.a. we cut ties prematurely, or they really were worth the money? Excellent question. Uh, Corey Lindsley probably is a really good place to start because he um, has continued to be elite since leaving the Packers. But I, I decided to roll all the way back to the 2010 offseason and just go through everybody that we moved on from and see, is there anybody notable who went on to have a, a really good career after the Packers moved on? Um, and I think Brian Balaga is is going to be an example of like fans were devastated when we moved on, and it was exactly at the right time to move on from him. Uh, he just uh, he he was fine for us the the last year he was here. Uh, definitely felt like man, how can you move on? Like we do we really have an answer uh, behind Balaga? And his his career was over. I mean he he went and got a big deal from the Chargers. And um, didn't finish it out. Uh, he was there for two years. Uh, Chargers fans couldn't stand him. Um, you know, not that he was like a horrible player, but he he clearly was just it wasn't the same anymore. And um, ended up getting cut uh, just two years into his three year thirty million dollar deal. But in the twenty twenty sorry the twenty ten off season, uh, we lost Amon Green, Aaron Campman. Uh, defensive end Michael Montgomery and punter Jeremy Capenos. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember Jeremy at all. So I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Literally do not remember the guy. Uh, Amon Green, of course, um, never played another snap of football. So hard to argue that uh, that was a mistake. Uh, Aaron Campman. Did play two seasons in Jacksonville after leaving the Packers. They weren't great seasons. He played 498 snaps in 2010. He ended up having a 67 overall grade. Um, kind of was still just the same player he had been for the Packers. Um, regressed just slightly from the previous year. And then 2011, he played just 66 snaps, and that was the end of his career. So, uh, moved on from him at the right time. Then you had uh, defensive end Michael Montgomery. And he looks like he did end up coming back to play for the Packers in 2010. Uh, he played just two games, and that was the end of his career. So, um, you know, you can kind of see why they did, um, you know, he didn't make the final cut. Punt, and then that that punter Jeremy, is it Capinos or Capinos? I'm going to say Capinos. Jeremy Capinos. I uh, literally don't remember the guy. He played 16 games for us in 2009. I guess I just didn't care about punters back then. Oh, those are the days, man. 
to not care who your punter or your long snapper is. That's that's where you want to be. Uh, but then, so the following year, 2010, uh, this was when we uh, moved on from him. He played uh, one game for the Colts, four games for the Steelers. And then he was brought back in 2011 and played uh, eight games for the Steelers again. And then that was the end of his career. So, um, for the 2010 offseason, we did not move on from anybody that you feel like was a really big whiff. So, I'm going to, going through the the next uh, few years, there's a bunch of guys that get moved on from. And so, I'm only going to talk about the really big names. So, we're not going to get all this, you know, punter you've never heard of, that kind of stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 2011, Mark Tauscher retired. Uh, we did move on from Jason Spitz, who's only notable because he was a third-round pick who just did not pan out for us. Uh, he did go on to play one year for Jacksonville after moving on from us. Uh, Brady Papinga played two seasons, and it's, it's always interesting looking back at some of these older years because you see the uh, abbreviations for teams, and SL just popped up. And I'm like, oh, St. Louis Rams. It's been a while. Uh, so he played for the Rams in 2011 and the Cowboys in 2012. He was quite bad both years. Um, 2011, he did log 500 snaps for the Rams, but, uh, barely cracked 50 for the Cowboys. And then that was the end of his career. Um, just bad grades across the board. His best year was his final year in green Bay. It really seemed like a breakout year. Um, he his first four years with the team, his grades were 62, 59, 51, and 48. So got worse every single year. Then his final year with the team, he had a 73 overall grade. He had three pressures and a sack. Um, he had seven run stops. Um, that's on just 106 total snaps so looking at that you think okay maybe he's kind of starting to turn the corner Packers wisely did not bite uh they moved on from him and he again had 
two game uh, two years that were 50 or lower 50 and 45 so clearly the right choice to move on from him the next guy though linebacker nick barnett so this one uh, is debatable 2011 and 12 he played for buffalo and then he played in 2013 for washington both years for buffalo he logged over 400 snaps his grades were 73.5 and 68.2 uh his pass rush really never was um good again after he left the packers he was a good pass rusher for the first four years with the packers um, after that, his pass rush never got back off the ground again, uh, sub-60 grades. But the interesting thing here, he did get paid a decent amount of money. Uh, he signed a three-year, $12 million deal with Buffalo. So $4 million bucks a year, um, only finished out the first two years of that. Uh, I think in today's money, I mean, gosh, you're probably talking like seven, eight million at least. I just noticed I read off the wrong column when I said that he played 400 snaps uh, a year for Buffalo. He played 400 rushing defense snaps. He played um, almost a thousand snaps a year for for two years. So 2011, 2012, he logged 950 snaps and 999 snaps. That's pretty good production. Um, and he was not terrible. He was, I would say, good, not great. So if you're paying seven, eight million bucks a year, uh, which is, I think, about what we paid for Christian Kirksey uh, a couple years ago, you're getting better production than we got out of Kirksey. So I think it was a good pickup for the Bills, but I understand the Packers moving on. I don't think they made a mistake. And, and he ended up not finishing out that uh, three-year contract with the Bills. He got paid less than a million bucks to come in and play for Washington his final year. It didn't go well. He uh, only logged 70 snaps, and he did not look good while he was playing. The other guy we moved on from in the 2011 offseason was safety Atari Bigby. And the bizarre thing here is that his breakout year kind of occurred the year he left Green Bay. Now, he played logged his most snaps in 2007 he played 1100 snaps outside of that uh four snaps 306 snaps 776 snaps 72 snaps that's what he did for the packers um his final two years 155 snaps for the seahawks but he graded really well um he had one sack five pressures six tackles uh five stops he was targeted five times and only allowed two receptions for 27 yards. Just better than he had ever played for the Packers. Uh, and then 615 snaps his final year for San Diego. And again, didn't look good. So um, this was just kind of a kind of a nothing move. Uh, like it just it just made sense to move on. And maybe there was a little bit of a twinge of like, ooh, may, did, did we make a mistake in moving on from him in 2011? No, we didn't. 2012 clearly clearly reveals that. And Seattle did not bring him back for 2012. He had to go to San Diego. 2012, only two notable uh, departures. Matt Flynn, who, of course, went on, got $10 bucks from the Seahawks, and then bounced around from team to team, uh, made another $6.5 bucks from the Raiders, Kind of made pennies every other year, but um, 
obviously not a loss that um, really bothers you, and it was kind of awesome that he took all the money from Seattle. So uh, I'd say that's a win moving on from him. Uh, and then Ryan Grant only played for one other team after leaving Green Bay, um, and that was Washington. So in 2012, he did end up playing four games total for the Packers, and then one game for Washington. That was the end of his career. No regrets, I would say, from 2010 through 2012. Looking at 2013, the first real noticeable departure is Greg Jennings. Obviously, we kind of know how that went. He did have two good years with Minnesota, uh, 746 snaps in 2013, 883 snaps in 2014. Um, played decently well. In 2013, he only had uh, four touchdowns. He had six touchdowns in 2014. Uh, but he did get over 700 yards both years, uh, 800 yards in 2013. Um, what was a pretty decent player for both of those years. Uh, 2015, obviously, he goes and plays with Miami. And I think that this was the right move to move on from him because of the amount of money that he ended up getting from the Vikings. He got $17.8 million total from them, which included a $10,000 signing bonus. Um, that was a five-year contract that he signed, ended up only playing for two years for them. So it's hard to look at that and say that the Packers whiffed on letting him go. Tom Crabtree moved on. He ended up playing just one more year for Tampa, had a pretty terrible year. He did rack up. Uh, one touchdown on how many targets did he have? Because it's probably going to be funny. Six targets, four receptions, 21 yards, and a touchdown. Yep, bummer. Wish we had held on to him. Desmond Bishop played double-digit games for every year of his career that he was with Green Bay. Immediately after a 13-game season in 2011, with uh, the Packers and then missing the 2012 season. In 2013, he played just four games for the Vikings. 2014, he played two games for the 49ers. Packers moved on at the right time. Now, here's where we have our first regret, I would say. Uh, Charles Woodson went back to Oakland. He went on to play three years for them. Uh, he logged over 1,000 snaps per year. Um, actually almost cracked 1100 snaps all three years uh 2013 he only got 1076 but the other two years um over 1100 he played quite well his grades over those three years 73.2 65.4 uh dude was legit until the end he also was playing for peanuts um his average salary when he was with the Packers from 2020, uh, 2010 through 2014. Sorry. Uh, so he had, he had two two contracts. His first contract, his average salary was $7.5 million from 2006 through what ended up being uh, 2009. From the 2010 through 2014 seasons, his average salary was $11 million. Uh, he was released by the Packers. Went on to play for the Raiders. Like I said, absolutely still an elite player. And he was making um, just about $2 bucks a year for three years. So 
Uh, this, I would say, is the first whiff by the Packers. I think they should have held on to him. A little bit tough because he had such a down year in 2012. Um, only logged 600 snaps. Uh, his overall grade was a 60. Uh, his stats weren't terrible, um, but he just didn't look like himself. You can understand why they moved on, and that was also after two kind of underwhelming years, uh, 2010 and 2011, still playing good football, but not at the same level that he was um, in 2009 and earlier. So he had a three-year stint where he was kind of getting slightly worse every year uh, and then missed a bunch of time in 2012. You can understand them moving on, but hindsight shows us that those final three years, he still absolutely had it left in the tank. So should have held on to Charles Woodson, which, you know what? (laughs) Uh, Hall of Famer, what can you say? 2014, I don't see anything here to be... Uh, really heartbroken over you lose James Jones tackle Marshall Newhouse center Evan Dietrich Smith um, defensive lineman CJ Wilson and safety MD Jennings the 2015 offseason is interesting because you got a few guys on here who well I'll just say so Matt Flynn is back so this is the second time we moved on from him um Tremont Williams, obviously a guy who came back later. And then Devon House also came back later. So Tremont Williams and Devon House, they didn't do much really while they were away. Um, But the Packers liked them enough to give them more shots in the future. So it, it, it would seem that the Packers maybe regretted moving on from them or um, at least felt that they had just enough left in the tank to justify bringing him back. I think I think uh, there's a much stronger case for Tremont than for Devon House. Um, otherwise, you got A.J. Hawk. Um, they moved on from him at the right time. He had a fantastic career from 06 to 14 with the Packers. Logged just one season after that with the Bengals. 300 total snaps, 60 overall grade. Just not much left in the tank. All right, you've been waiting for it. 2016, we again move on from James Jones. We move on from B.J. Raji, defensive end Mike Neal, and Casey Hayward. So you knew this was going to come up. Uh, Casey played for us for four years. Uh, For his first four years, his grades were 91, 72, 88, 75. Um, At that point... Uh, he logs the most snaps of his career up until then with 1,042. He's a full-time starter for the Packers. Plays quite well. Uh, he has five pressures, um, one quarterback hit, 69 tackles. He's targeted 96 times, does allow 64 receptions, which is a little bit high, 734 yards, 11 yards per reception. Um, 420 yards after the catch, three touchdowns, um, graded decently well, but the stats, you don't love the stats. After moving on from him, uh, he goes on to play basically a thousand snaps per year for the next four years for the Chargers, plays at an elite level all four years. Um, the, the one de- year you would say was not quite elite and just 
um, very good. He has 75.9 grade in 2018. Rebounded to an 83 the following year. He had one uh, not-so-great year total in his career. That was 2020. Again, for the Chargers, he played 780 snaps. Um, last year, uh, and, and he had a 59.5 grade. His only... I mean, his his second lowest grade was the second year of his career, 72.4, and he only played 87 snaps in that season, 2013. So last year, 2021, he finished the season with a stretch of some bad games, and his overall grade did come down a bit in 2021. But for a while, uh, he was one of the best cornerbacks in football. Um, I no question, especially with the problems that they ended up having over the next few years at cornerback. Moving on from Casey Hayward was a mistake. Um, they they should not have done that. Actually, I didn't realize he signed with the Falcons. He's currently a Falcon. I was not aware of that. Um, which is strange. Why are the Raiders not holding on to him? He played well for them last year. Casey Hayward in 2016 definitely a guy they should not have moved on from. And, of course, the 2017 offseason, you saw the departure of Micah Hyde. Actually, we moved on from a bunch of really good players in this offseason. Kind of painful looking at the list. Obviously, not everybody went on to continue to be good. But if I just read off the list of guys who departed this offseason, I mean, there's some good dudes in here. Eddie Lacy. Uh, James Starks, Jared Cook, TJ Lang, J.C. Treader, Julius Peppers, Dayton Jones, well, I don't know about Dayton Jones, Sam Shields, Micah Hyde. There's some good players in there. Kind of kind of sad just seeing how much of the old guard uh, they moved on from in that, in that season. So obviously the most problematic one is Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde is one of the best safeties in football and has been ever since leaving Green Bay. The first four years with the Packers, he was underwhelming. Um, he was average at best. His final season with the Packers, he played 985 snaps, had a 64 overall grade. Uh, coverage wasn't fantastic. It was just a 60. Um, a little bit more of a, a, a run defender and pass rusher. Uh, he had... 10 pressures, 50 tackles, 18 stops, uh, run stops. He was targeted 85 times, um, gave up a reception percentage of 68.2%, which is 58 receptions, 642 yards, uh, six touchdowns. He did um, come up with four interceptions and six pass breakups that year, though. Big problem, obviously, is starting in 2017 and continuing through today. You got five straight years of him being a top five safety in the NFL. And and gosh, when you look at like, especially what happened in uh, 2016, that um, NFC Championship game against the Falcons and just the desperation that we had at cornerback and safety, the fact that we used to have Micah Hyde Casey Hayward on the roster. I mean, Micah Hyde was in that Falcons game. He played horribly in that Falcons game. Uh, 50 overall grade, 48 coverage grade. He was targeted four times, gave up three receptions, 23 yards, one touchdown. Um, was not good. Um, 
but just looking at the fact that we used to have these two guys on our roster and then just knowing what was coming in terms of just desperation to restock that defensive back room. It's painful. Micah Hyde, clearly a bigger loss than Casey Hayward. I would say Micah Hyde is probably the single biggest uh, missed opportunity in terms of a guy that the Packers used to have and they moved on from. But you got to throw Charles Woodson and Casey Hayward in there as well. So you got three misses there. Micah Hyde... He's been to one Pro Bowl, and he's been All-Pro twice. 2017, his first year leaving the Packers, and then last year. Ah, ouch. <laughs> uh, good for him. I'm, I'm glad that he's having a good career. He's a good dude. But painful that we moved on from him. So we also moved on from Jared Cook. This one clearly something people have talked about a long time. Like, was it a mistake to move on from him? Jared Cook has been one of the better tight ends in football since leaving Green Bay. The problem is, so 2016, the one year he played for the Packers, he he really wasn't great until oh, week 14 he kind of turned it on, and then he was really solid all the way through the playoffs. It looks like... So certainly for that year, maybe for his career, I'm not going to go through every single season and, and look, but it looks like that Dallas game was maybe his highest graded game of his career. Don't fact check me on that. Uh, he played two years for Oakland, two years for New Orleans, and then uh, 2021 he was with the Chargers and had his first uh, bad year. I guess his first year in Oakland wasn't great. He had a 63 grade um, how many touchdowns did he have? He had two touchdowns that year, 688 yards. Um, it was an okay year. Uh, his final year in Oakland and his first, well, both of his years in New Orleans, 19 and 20, he was a pretty darn good tight end. <clears throat> you think about the tight end woes that the Packers went through after losing Cook. Again, this is just a situation where you look at what could have been and what ended up happening. I think Jared cook could have stuck around for maybe a long time. And then maybe we could have avoided the, uh, Marty Bennett and Jimmy Graham experiences. TJ Lang had two seasons after he left the Packers. He played for the lions, 500 snaps in 2017, 180 snaps in 2018. He graded out. Okay. But just wasn't much of a contributor. And then 2017, when he had 500 snaps, Sorry, 800 snaps, not 500, 800 snaps. He committed seven penalties. So um, I, I just I, I think that was not really a mistake to move on. Plus, we had a good offensive line uh, for those two years as well after he left. So I, I don't think there's any regrets there. J.C. Treader, on the other hand, look, we had Corey Lindsley. So you're not mad. Uh, I think you, you still had the better center, but Treader was a darn has been a darn good center. He played five years for Cleveland. Uh, in case you don't know, he is the president of the NFL Players Union. Um, how many Pro Bowls? No Pro Bowls. Huh. I really thought he had gone to a Pro Bowl before. Uh, interesting thing, You even after playing well last year, he's a free agent right now. Nobody's picked him up. 
a little bit strange that the Browns aren't taking him back. 2018, we moved on from Jordy Nelson and Jeff Janis. Um, interestingly, I, I would argue Richard Rogers, the tight end, had has gone on to have a better post-Packers career than either of those two guys, but even still, you're not bummed about having moved on from Rodgers. Richard Rodgers played for the um, Eagles for a while and really was quite good. Uh, linebacker Joe Thomas, worth mentioning only because he did get better after leaving the Packers. Um, he had slightly higher grades uh, over the next two years for Dallas. 2020 was a really bad year in Dallas. And then 2021, he played a marginal, just 86 um, snaps for the Texans and Ravens. Graded out pretty well. Uh, but I remember that being a guy that people were um, disappointed to move on from. And uh, that's about it. Morgan Burnett really only ever had a backup role after leaving the Packers. He was a backup in Pittsburgh and in Cleveland and then did not play again after those two years. Jordy Nelson was the one that everybody was upset about. No question about it. It was the right move to move on. So at, at this point, you know, we are um, just about to enter the uh, Brian Gutekunst era. So this is uh, Ted Thompson's final year with the team. It's hard to argue that anybody should have been kept outside of Charles Woodson, Micah Hyde, and Casey Hayward. Maybe you throw Jared Cook on there as well. I, I, I would say over from 2010 through 2018, you're looking at four guys total that the Packers moved on from that you would say they shouldn't have. 2019, the Packers moved on from Randall Cobb, did not do anything in Dallas or Houston, uh, but then obviously the Packers brought him back at Rodgers request clay matthews went on to have one really good year with the rams and um i i guess he's just retired um i've never heard any official retirement announcement but he's not played since then uh they also moved on from cornerback bashad breeland a lot of folks were upset about that um i was one uh bashad breeland i you know looked really good in, in limited sample size uh for the packers the thing is, you know, he's bounced around a couple different teams. He was with the Chiefs for a long time. Uh, I guess only two years. Um, he just has never graded out very well. Uh, he did play a lot of snaps in Kansas City. He was with the Vikings last year. Um, but he's been really a liability in coverage. The only thing he's ever been really good at is he's been a decent um, pass rusher, which I just don't care about for a cornerback. And then in the 2020 offseason, uh, the only notable guys here, Blake Martinez, Brian Balaga, and Jimmy Graham. Brian Balaga, as I mentioned, has been pretty much horrible since leaving Green Bay. Jimmy Graham we've watched in um, Chicago, and I just I don't think anybody at all wanted to keep Jimmy Graham. We were pretty desperate. I was upset that they didn't move on from him a year early. Uh, for the Bears, he was frustratingly better <laughs> than he had been with the Packers. His two years with the Packers, 59 and 58. The only time in his career that he's been below a 64. 
So the following year, 2020, he did jump up to a 64. He had nine touchdowns that year, which is almost double what he ever did in Green Bay. Um, he did have fewer yards per reception. Um, his targets were way higher. Uh, total snaps went down a bit from 672 with the Packers uh, and 795 the previous year with the Packers to 649. So he wasn't on the field a ton, but he was targeted a lot more when he was out there. Uh, 2021, he only played 260 snaps. So um, just for the sheer fact alone that he just was not ever worth how much he got paid by either the Packers or the Bears, man, the biggest mistake you'd say they made in moving on from him was that they didn't move on from him sooner. Blake Martinez still kind of TBD in 2020. He had the best year of his career this is his first year with the giants 2021. He barely played at all. Only 140 snaps and looked terrible while he was out there. So I, I just think jury's way too out. We got to wait and see what he does in year three away from the Packers. Uh, but his final year with the Packers really was not good. And he got a boatload of money from the Giants. Um, as of right now, I'm okay with them having moved on from him. But we have to see how things turn out. You know, and, and in 2020, the linebacker play certainly was not good enough. Um, would having Blake Martinez there have made the difference? For example, when we played the Buccaneers, I, I would say no. You know, maybe you could argue um, he was decent in coverage. The problem is that Christian Kirksey had like the one good game of his career against the Buccaneers. So the the one game that mattered the most, where the defense you know really was a, a huge problem, and you know the guy we had who had been crappy all year, suddenly turned it on and played well in that one game. So it's, you can't make the case like, yeah, if we would have had Blake for that one game, maybe we would have won. So I don't know. And then last year, uh, moved on from Jamal Williams. He did not have a good year with the Lions. Uh, moved on from Lane Taylor, who just didn't play. Um, nobody else played except Corey Lindsley, who went on to have a banner year and he made all pro um, and, and especially looking at the problems we had an offensive line. The problem is that they, they never could have paid him. They just couldn't. They, they chose to give Corey Lindsley's money to Zadarius Smith and Billy Turner. Um, Corey's getting up there in age. You know, there, there is a question of how many more years he's going to play at this level as of right now. Yeah, you'd say moving on from him probably was a mistake. We got to see what Josh Myers does. Um, but I, I think no question in 2021, things probably look drastically different if you have Corey Lindsley out there. He played a full season, played all 18 games for the Chargers. Uh, his only bad games came in weeks one, two, and 11, and they weren't even terrible. Um, I mean, you had, you had, Way worse center play than that um, many weeks for the Packers last year. I think that maybe there's a world where the Packers uh, win against the Niners if they have Lindsley. I mean, you look at the offensive line we had out there. Your guards um, were getting beaten up and down. 
in Royce Newman and um, Lucas Patrick. Sorry, John Runyon and Lucas Patrick. Royce Newman did not play in that game, which is wild to me, but whatever. I don't know what in the world they were thinking with that offensive line. You had Dennis Kelly and Billy Turner as your right and left tackles. Had not been even practicing at those positions. You randomly, you get Josh Myers back, so you stick him at center after, like, he basically only played against um, the Lions, and that was it for, like, half a season. And then you put uh, Paul Royce Newman, who had finally been playing some good football, stick Lucas Patrick at right guard, who does an admirable job. Uh, John Runyon still holds it down at left guard has a horrific day. I just think that you get Corey Lindsley on that offensive line. Things are a little different. Um, you know, I, I, you, you probably still have the same guards, but maybe they play better having Corey Lindsley there. I mean, he, he's a fantastic captain, fantastic, uh, team player on the offensive line elevates the guys around him. I just think that, Man, with as close as that game was and how many times, you know, they were just like one play away from really changing that game. I don't know, man. You know, but and and not that Zedarius didn't do anything in that game. Billy Turner, complete liability. I I would have rather had Yash Nyman and Corey Lindsley out there than Billy Turner and Josh Myers. But we gotta see what Josh Myers does in his career. Um, obviously can't, can't make too early of a proclamation yet about his rookie season, about what he's going to be long-term, but I think Corey Lindsay is the other guy you got to add to this list of guys that they whiffed on. So, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We've got, uh, training camp news coming in, you know, Jordan loves throwing passes. He looks good. Um, Alan Lazard is catching passes. Uh, you love to see it. It's nice that they got football going on finally. Rodgers is back in camp. Matt LaFleur said that Rodgers is looking good already. Love to see it, man. I think this has a chance to really be a special year. I'm honestly pumped about it. Alright, I'll catch you guys next week. Go Pack Go!